Trevor, you're laughing. Yes, I'm laughing. That's I was good. thinking of how you're going to insert the spot for Kyle's social hour. Yeah. Well, I guess we we might as well just start the podcast. I hit the button and I said, let's start. So usually good indications of time to start podcast. Welcome, welcome to episode 86 of Off the Crossbar, Ray Salt Lake podcast. We're joined today by <laughs> Dr. Colin. Hey, guys. How's it going? And not Dr. Trevor. No, I am not a doctor. And I'm not Dr. Matt. See, I, after last episode when we said, hey, we never actually introduce ourselves, I thought, what better episode to start introducing ourselves than <laughs> one where Kyle's not here? And 86 episodes in, you guys have really, really got <laughs> it down. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, professional <laughs> podcasters. We're starting that. to figure it out. I think Some we've officially us. like hit our groove. Yeah. Or we're hitting the groove. I don't know. We hit a rut. I think is really what it is. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm so used to the the jazz tunes starting when you like are introducing the podcast that it almost felt weird. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. There's no. Yeah. So it, yeah. being on this end, I'm not normally on this end, and it, it feels it feels weird. It all uh, it's all the magic of post production. Incredible stuff. Anyway, Colin, you joined what like three episodes ago, right? When I was away, or four episodes ago. Something uh, like that. Yeah. Five, six, seven. I don't know. Some some number of episodes. It looks like episode 81. So, yeah, uh, that yeah. was after the Revs game, right? I think that was the last one I was. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. probably about right. So you joined for a good one and now you get to join for a bad one. Or oh, a bad one. An East Coast and then not East Coast centric episode. Um, How do we do this without Kyle here? Do we just say, let's do social hour? Matt. Yeah. What have you been up to? <laughs> oh, so I was in Arizona, which funny story, Kyle has also been in Arizona because apparently our trips are synchronized in some funny ways. Yeah, you guys uh, have run into each other like a couple of times on the road, right? Uh, we we ran into each other once on the road, um, but we've been in the same place a, a few times now. <laughs> and it'll probably happen again this summer, which is very funny to me. Anyway, went down to Arizona visiting Jenny's family good trip uh it was like 90 degrees so i'm glad to be home where it might snow this week um, wait really well i don't are you know saying that because you've checked the weather report or you're saying that because it's utah and it's april and sometimes oh, yeah. it snows no. in april i'm seeing a uh, potential snow on saturday unbelievable yeah yeah it's supposed to be not great weather this weekend yeah speaking of not great weather i just pulled up the weather app and currently it says it's 68 degrees but okay. like the status where it like usually says like sunny or like scattered showers, whatever yeah. it says widespread dust that <sighs> I've never seen before. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's it I, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just out. My daughter had soccer practice. Um, so I made her breathe in the toxic dust at soccer practice. Um, and then, yeah, like you're just driving around out there and it looks cloudy, but it's just, windy. it's just dust. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I was on on our way back from from Arizona, and I thought, you know, the weather's pretty good. Let's go the Flagstaff route. We I usually like to go Vegas, especially if there's any chance of inclement weather. It's the worst thing that can happen in Vegas is like flash flooding, and we we drive through Vegas, not you know in Vegas, so it's not not a big deal. Um, but I thought, you know, Flagstaff will be a nice you know change of pace, beautiful area. Uh, 
anyway, we we got into Flagstaff and I got an alert on my phone uh, telling residents of a certain area in Flagstaff to prepare for evacuation because of a fire. Uh, and then as we kept driving, we stopped for gas. And then those residents were told to evacuate. Uh, and as a result of all that, uh, US 89 closed no- just north of Flagstaff. Oof. So uh, I took a, tough. a nice drive up to the Grand Canyon and around, and it was very beautiful and uh, like four hours longer than I was expecting. But here I am. Well, I'm sorry you got to see the Grand Canyon. Yeah. yeah you, sent, you sent a, a nice picture of, uh, of a really boring ditch, I guess. It <laughs> yeah. was pretty Some pointless, honestly. Landscape. I don't see the point of it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Never again. I've heard the North Rim's actually better uh, because there are fewer people, but I don't know. I don't know. Luckily, that's true. It, I went to the North Rim and there was a lot of people there. Oh, that makes sense. There are just people everywhere now. It's yeah. Oof. National ruins parks, things. National parks used to be you know empty, and now people are enjoying nature. And I don't know if I can deal with this. It's really the worst from growing up here. Like as a kid, uh, you really did used to get to go out to the mountains and not see a lot of people. And it was really nice. And now you just can't do that. It's just like impossible. There's no way to do that anywhere, even remotely close to Salt Lake anymore. Yeah. Anyway, that's, oh, oh, the other social hour update I've got. Uh, so Nerds Gummy Clusters, the official candy of Off the Crossbar. Uh, the Real Salt Lake, Lake podcast. podcast. Uh, we get paid by Nerds Gummy Clusters. Thank you, Nerds Gummy Clusters. We get paid a lot of money. Thank anyway, you. Jenny's stepdad is super into uh, freeze drying, and uh, we freeze dried some Nerds Gummy Clusters, and let me tell you, they are amazing. So next RSL home match, Nerds Gummy Clusters, I'll bring some. We can all partake in these freeze dried, like, they're like really crispy. It's amazing. I'm beautiful. <laughs> freeze dried food is crispy? Yeah. Outstanding gummies. Yeah. Never would have heard of it. I know. No, they said that you sent us some pictures and some videos and they look and sound amazing. And I can't wait. Yeah. They crunch like a, like a, a puffy Cheeto. Cheetos puffs. There we go. Do they, and they like melt in your mouth like a Cheetos puff. Uh, yes. It's <laughs> truly amazing. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Yeah. I'm on board. Uh, so here's where we can insert Kyle's social hour update if he sends us one. Hello, everyone. This is Kyle checking in for my social hour update. And, you know, there's been a lot going on my way. I didn't want to miss this monumental episode, so I needed to make my presence known and that I, along with many of you, also are suffering as a fan of sports in Utah. But, um, Aside from that, I've been having a lot of fun personally. I've had this whole week off and, um, you know, last weekend I had a very good weekend, uh, saw a bunch of friends, um, went to a comedy show at Wise Guys downtown. I saw Sam Arill, um, very, very funny comedian, has a very good basketball podcast, um, but yeah, so that was, that was very exciting for me, um, I watched Severance also. I finished that whole thing. I can't remember if I mentioned that last time, but the finale of that was super fun and just uh, insane. And I was talking with a coworker last Thursday and um, he was like, I I can't wait for the next episode of Severance. And I was like, 
buddy, that was like the last episode of the season. Like we're going to, you're going to have to wait like a year, I think for the next one. And he's like, no, that was the ninth episode. There's a 10th one. And, uh, like, uh, it comes out tonight. And I was like, dude, it absolutely does not. That was the last, that was the last episode. And he was flabbergasted and I, and I like, he thought I was lying and I pulled it up online for him and he just couldn't believe that they ended the first season like that. Cause it was just like probably the ultimate cliffhanger. So, um, loved that, loved that show, been watching station 11, um, been very much enjoying that, uh, that show it's on HBO. Um, let's see what else I saw everything everywhere all at once again, still love that. I got to see uh, massive talent with Nicholas cage and I got to see the Northman this weekend as well. So that I'll be giving reviews of, of those, of those, uh, fine cinematic pieces next week. But um, the big thing that I've been doing this whole week, the reason that I'm not on this uh, whole episode is that um, I've been down here with Carly in uh, in the Phoenix area. Her mom lives down here and her mom and her stepdad are, are out of town for the week, a uh, week, couple weeks. I don't know. They're in California and they were just like, you should go just stay at our house and hang out by the pool and do Phoenix stuff. And I was like, that sounds great. I haven't spent much time here before. Matt's down here quite a bit. And, um, I had this whole week off work, so I was, uh, very into the idea. So we flew down here on Sunday, um, which was kind of crazy because I thought we were flying down here on Monday, but then I, on Saturday afternoon, I got a notification that said, check in for your flight. And I was like, but it's on Monday. turns out it was Sunday on Easter and I, that was a whole thing. I don't know how. I got con- I got confused because there was a calendar invite that got that that got automatically created for my Gmail on the Monday on showing on Monday. So I just had this like phantom invite on my uh, Google Calendar. So that was cool, but didn't miss the flight. That was good. Glad I got the notification. Made it down here and just had an extremely chill week. I um, it, it's I had no idea how much I would love the desert down here. It's such a different desert than Utah um, and the Utah deserts. Like uh, there's something about just the, but by, by matter of it never getting like freezing in the desert here, or at least very rarely, they just have an entirely different uh, flora and fauna, I guess you could say just the, the plant life, the animal life. It's all so just different. And I think it's just spectacular. I love it so much. I've been taking like a ton of photos out in the middle of, uh, these nature preserves all around the greater Phoenix area. I've like become just completely infatuated with the Suwarn cactus, um, and all of the cacti all around. I think they're just incredible. I love them so much. Um, and they're just so picturesque. I took like all these cacti portraits. It was so fun. Um, just had just been eating great food, going to nice restaurants and hanging out. It's been just a blast hanging out by the pool. And then we did a little day trip. Well, I guess it was an overnighter up to Sedona as well. I'd never been up there before. Um, did some incredible hikes, uh, including one where we came out from sunset and, uh, kind of, wasn't really planning on it, on it getting as dark as it, as quickly as it did. And, uh, had a little bit of a hike in the dark and had to cross a river in the dark, but that was fine. We made it. It was great. Um, hilariously weird people in Sedona, like some of the weirdest people I've ever experienced in my life, just people watching and like being out at a restaurant, listening to other people talk was just a wild experience. Uh, 
strange vibes, but good vibes, I guess, in Sedona. Um, pretty touristy, though. Um, but if you can get away from the crowds, it's uh, very beautiful, very, very nice, nice little town. But yeah, so and throughout this whole week, I've been monitoring the athletic situation. Uh, I've caught, you know, part bits and pieces of games that have been happening. RSL, of course. Um, I was <laughs> watching that uh, New York City FC game on the plane. Um, I've been watching a little bit of like the end of jazz games. I've been uh, just I caught some of the Open Cup game just I I should I should not do, not do any of that, but I hope uh, I hope things are looking up. They won't be for a little while, but I hope eventually they look up. And um, yeah, I think that's my hello update. That was pretty long. That's like six minutes. I don't know how Matt's gonna edit this in there, but I hope everyone's doing well. And I hope this episode uh, isn't too sad. <laughs> I think the vibes are gonna be bad, but hey, you know, sometimes you gotta go through the bad vibes to get to the good ones. And that's a old proverb, I think. So anyway, hi, everyone. Uh, talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of this episode with these three fine gentlemen. Great. Thanks for the update, Kyle. <laughs> Fantastic. Glad to hear that you're having such a good time, Kyle. Trevor, do you want to send your warm regards? Thanks for the update, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, if he if he didn't send one, or or um, you'll know. Can't wait to see you when you get back, Kyle. Sorry, we didn't hear from you. Now you okay. can just cut whichever one of those. Perfect. Yeah, that was seamless. I uh, I see why you guys are known as expert podcasters now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hold on. Uh, We're really figuring it out. There we go. Footnote. <laughs> I've added a footnote. Zencaster gives us this great option to add footnotes. So nice. I can note every time Trevor swears so that we can clip those and send them to his mother. We will. Yeah, okay. We'll get there when we get there, but I promise there will be some swears. I'm usually very good at censoring myself. I'm not interested in censoring myself after this last game, but we'll get there. We're not talking about that yet. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Colin, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. Um, my social hour updates. What have I been up to? Um Let's see. I've been watching a lot of basketball with the NBA playoffs going on. So that's been pretty good. Um, you know, uh, another, another, as Kyle pointed out on Twitter, another Ryan Smith owned team um, also doing great and having a good time. So uh, we love Ryan Smith owned sports teams at the moment. Um, mm. uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, has been sick with COVID, um, which has been a bummer for her. She had gotten to Dallas just in time to get sick. So then she's been stuck up in a hotel. Uh, and that's been really, really unfortunate for her. She's been pretty sick. So uh, get vaxxed and boosted, everybody. If you haven't, please make sure you do that. Um, you don't want to... I mean, Sarah's obviously vaxxed and boosted, and it was still pretty bad. So um, I spent yeah, a lot of, a lot of time on the... Sarah. What was that? It's a get well soon, Sarah. Yes. Yeah. She's on her way to recovery, thankfully. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time on the phone with her because she can't do anything or go anywhere. Um, so we watched basketball at the same time um, on the phone. So that was nice. It was a good time this weekend. Um, otherwise, my daughter is back into soccer for the spring season. So it's driving to and from practice and all that kind of stuff after work. So that's, that's mostly my social hour update. I haven't been, I haven't been doing a whole lot. Um, let's see. I finished, uh, I finished a book last week. Oh, which finished, 
I finished the uh, book called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue um, by V.E. Schwab. Um, oh, all right. The name of the book sounds like a young adult novel. Um, no, I don't think it was a young adult novel. Uh, it, it is it is an adult novel, um, but it was very good. It's about um, kind of like a woman who trades her soul to uh, get to live a long time and get to do what she wants. But, you know, as it is a kind of a Faustian bargain, uh, the demon um, makes it so no one can remember her. So it's like every, anytime she people lose sight of her, they don't remember interacting with her whatsoever. And so it talks about, but she's also like kind of like a mortal. So it talks about her life and stuff. So it was, it was very interesting and, and well done. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's what's been going on with me. Uh, also I grew out the stash in honor of my goalkeeper being back. Nice. So uh, I figured, I figured a good visual gag on the podcast uh, was important. So um <laughs> You can you can all see my mustache on the pod. Oh, hold on, I will screenshot your mustache right now. Okay, I'll uh, put it in Slack so you can get a nice preview. There we go. There we go. Great. Um, I listened to a podcast with V. Schwab on our trip to Arizona, so it's oh, a little connection. It was really good. Yeah. So, yeah which it's pod? lit. It's lit. Okay. Uh, which is a PBS production. It's pretty good. Great. Definitely worth a listen. It's lit. PBS. Pop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff. Trevor, tell us about your life. Um, I have a update, a life update. This is an important and oh. serious life update. We've talked oh. about this before on the pod. Are you growing up? <laughs> no. I, uh, That'll never I have happen. <laughs> not planning on it. I officially, uh, we've squashed the beef with my neighbor. Uh, there never really was a beef. Yeah, I was well, gonna I, say, we didn't hear about a beef. No, you, you've heard about this. It's the parking situation around my house. Oh, yes, we have. So my neighbor is a mechanic, just to catch everybody up. He's a mechanic, and he brings cars home and works on them on the weekends. And I just have very limited parking in and around my place because of he, he always has like nine cars, like four in his driveway and like four or five around. And I already have like limited space to park just because of the situation with the road. But anyway, um, I went out today um, just to go drop off something to my kid uh, that left it at my house. And on my way out, um, well, it actually starts this morning. This morning when I left, I had parked my car in front of my work truck. So when I went out this morning, I had to like play musical cars in the driveway real quick. My neighbor saw it, just waved to me. I drove off. So when I left today after I got home, he was working on a car, came out, flagged me down and was like, hey, listen, um, I'm trying to get the keys for all these cars that are parked on the street in front of my house and from the guys that own it. And if you give me a little bit, I'm planning on moving some of these cars um, that haven't been moved for like two or three months. They've just been sitting there. And he's like, I'm going to move some of these cars to create space so that you can park really close to your house. And then I won't put any more cars there. Nobody else will. Uh, park there you can just have that spot that'll be your spot and i was like perfect man let's do it that sounds awesome so i left and when i got home um he had he was just coming out and he's like hey man could you help me because the cars are like they've got dead batteries um and some of them just don't work because they need to be worked on but anyway i helped him pushed a couple of them out of the way and we made a spot and now i've got my spot for my car it's the closest one to my driveway and not in my driveway so that there's nothing blocking it. And I've got a spot now. I can always park in that spot. 
we we've figured it out that that um, was intense beef this is legitimately like over like a three year three or four year thing that i've been dealing with and we finally like actually talked about it and yeah that was the thing he was like i saw you moving your cars around this morning and i felt really bad and i should have been doing this a month months and months ago but let's just get it done and you can have that spot and that'll be your spot and i won't park my cars there anymore so that's my life update just barely happened and i'm really really excited about it (laughs) are you planning on moving in the next month or so no i'm not planning on moving anytime soon because i don't know if you've heard matt or if you read the news but home prices are impossible yeah i don't know what you're talking about um we on this podcast are professional podcasters and i think we can afford a six hundred thousand dollar two-bedroom house well lucky you you, why why just afford one (laughs) i cannot afford even a single house anywhere in the state and i've given up on it so i'm staying right where i'm at what what do you think about starting a podcast commune somewhere? That'd be great. I've always been interested in the idea of starting a commune. And huh. if it's centered around a podcast, even better. I mean, it would be this podcast. I think that's really relatable and we could get a lot of people on board and we could have a great little community. I think right. the problem with living with Matt and Kyle is that the diet would suck. Well, that's no, it, why you and I would team up, Colin. Okay, no, great. Don't, don't do it. Trevor drinks milk. I don't know. This is bad all around. Yeah. I get all the milk, and then you and I can share the rest of the stuff, and whatever we don't like, we'll just kick down to Matt and Kyle. Yeah. I'll bring the candy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt can survive on candy alone. Yeah, it's, well, probably shouldn't, but... Well, I guess we can call this our shortest ever social hour, unless Kyle sends us over 30 minutes he, of a social hour. He very well I mean, could. He <laughs> could. Um, the only that. other like, social Kyle thing. Kyle will see 13 movies, and he'll have eight minutes on each of them for you yeah. guys. So I can't wait. Yeah. The only other thing I got to make note of is the Jazz are playing right now, and we are not watching it because... Why would we do that to ourselves? Uh, The current score is 54-43. Mavericks are up by 11. Yeah, I only watch teams that are very successful on and off the field. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent point to transition into news and rumors about Real Salt Lake. Uh, Which is that there are no new rumors about player additions. Oh, there aren't? And that... Uh, Elliot Fall is now optimistic that we can sign at least one player before the transfer window closes. Uh, but we're we're starting to reach well. We've got a, just over two weeks, I believe. Uh, May fourth. Oh, may the fourth be with you. Yeah, I think it's just under two weeks, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, let's pull up a calendar. It is. Yeah, it is thirteen days from today. Oh wow! Running out of time, Elliot. Excellent mathing there. Elliot has said on about 12 occasions that uh, we are just about to get there with one signing, maybe two if we're lucky by the end of the window. And I got to be honest, I don't believe him. You think it'll be three or four? I believe full. (laughs) No, (laughs) I think it will be zero more signings. I think that we'll probably see somebody in the summer, but like, 
nobody signs anybody in May or the end of April. Which player are we going to sign right now? The only uh, players that are available are free agents. And like, we've seen them. We know who they are. Like, we're not trying to negotiate with the free agent at this point. Like, and there's not a club on the planet that is going to be like, oh yeah, you can just, that's fine. You could take our player right now. You know, who's uh, still not in contention at his current club. It's Anderson Several Julio. People. Oh yeah. Uh, former RSL legend. Uh, who still no movement there. He's still not playing. Uh, you you put the numbers together and I think it, it starts to make sense what's going on. And it's uh, two teams playing hardball, I think is, is fairly obvious from that situation. It's one team that just refuses to sign players, but like wants to make you think that we're trying to sign players or is incapable of signing players. Like it, I feel at this point, it's one of those two. Like you either can't, or you're just lying about trying right now. Like you're just trying to get people excited and happy about, Hey, we're going to bring somebody in real soon because you can't, you don't have the stomach to tell them wait till June or July when the next window opens. And then we'll actually be able to make a signing. And either one of those scenarios is not good or great. It's not optimistic. Well, luckily uh, players are starting to come back from injury. Um, and we'll and get more into the injury report later. Uh, right back into injured. Uh, yeah, that's Demir Krylik, who uh, now has some sort of back concern, uh, unspecified. I don't know. The back's big. It could be any number of things. There, there's is there's it, a good joke Is there. it from carrying this franchise? It is. <laughs> if I could count on you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it is from carrying this franchise because he has played like 100 minutes this year. So do you, it's hard do you to say it has he's been carrying do you think it has anybody. anything to do with 90 minutes uh, against New York City FC on the back of a like coming out of injury? Well, you uh, see, the, I mean, the thing about that match, Matt, is it was really competitive right into the end. So you really needed to see, you know, if Demir could pull you back into that one. <laughs> Did he play 90 minutes in that, actually? I realize now I don't, don't think I know. I uh, usually... This will be fun. I usually pull up the who scored and like yeah. follow along while we're going over the games. I haven't pulled it up yet because it doesn't matter. Like there's no yeah. stats that we need to worry about or care about or anything because hey, there's nothing good. I hey, can what? tell you who scored New York City a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you who was bad. Everybody on RSL a lot. Yeah. Um what's his name? Cassianos was pretty good. Uh, I did hear today from in the, in Pablo Mastroini's interview on ESPN 700 that uh, they did instruct the team specifically on, on watching Castellanos. Uh So. I mean, well, I think did great. that, I think that they did a good job watching him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we all did. Yeah. Four goals. It's easy to, to forget that, he's a player you have to pay attention to. So good on Pablo for remembering that. He was only the golden boot winner last year, uh, rumored to be sold for like 15 million in the off season, but New York city decided that they wanted to win the champions league with him. So kept him around. Well, they didn't do that. So no, they didn't, but pretty funny. Um, no, he was not subbed out. Demir Krylock played 90 minutes. Oh, lovely. 
in a catastrophic effort against uh, New York City FC. Yeah, I mean, they could sub him at halftime and played cautiously. Nah. They did not. So, Can't do that. All right, so a couple other news items before we get into the, I don't know, the meat and potatoes of this thing. I don't know why you need potatoes if you have meat, but maybe that's bias showing. Because I think potatoes are kind of gross. Potatoes are, are we going to talk about this or should we just yeah. skip right over it? Potatoes well, are good in like some scenarios. Yeah. Like is potato chips and French fries. Yeah. Like other fried, fried varieties. Fried potatoes are delicious. Mashed potatoes can be delicious depending I on. I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? No. This is this. I love this pod because the, the, the food takes here are great. Um, and they're always, they're always very divisive, which I really enjoy. Um, Mashed potatoes are not my favorite. Uh, a baked potato is uh, crime against humanity. Thank uh, you. But, you know, I, I like a fried potato. Obviously, I enjoy some French fries or some nice hash browns or something like that. Oh, yeah. Also, I love a, like a, a, a meat and potato stew. Okay. That's, that's a good time. Pota- you could do the meat and potatoes. Potatoes in a stew are like, they're just, they're filler, right? They don't like do yeah. anything. They don't accomplish anything. It's just to take up space. Yeah. If and, you ask me. And to provide sustenance, yes. I mean, like, do they though? <laughs> do they really? <laughs> I mean, I think people lived on a lot of potatoes for a long time, so I think so. Okay. I mean, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on that, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so the meat and potatoes of this thing. Uh the women's national team, US women's national team playing a friendly at Rio Tinto Stadium which we've told is someday going to get a new name, but I don't know what it'll be. Uh, Wait, hold on. Have we been told that? Or have we very specifically not had that addressed by anybody ever? I think it's that one, actually. I don't know. Because I think the original like deal for that expired in like 2020. Yeah. And then we've just like kept playing under Rio Tinto Stadium. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I, I personally haven't heard any indication from anybody that like, they're actively trying to find a new sponsor or like there will be something like, and obviously over the last year, it's been kind of an ownership goofball situation. So maybe that's changed, but yeah. Right. Well, I, you've got to do like what they do like in Boston, right? You know, the, the stadium for the basketball team, the Celtics was Boston garden forever. Oh yeah. And now they call it the TD garden. So what, whatever you got to do, like, you're almost not going to get away from calling it the riot. Like the riot is in the team song, but it's got to be the, like, I don't know, uh, whatever MLM riot stadium. (laughs) Right. It's it's neutrogenics riot stadium or something like that. That's, that's what we're looking at. Like, okay. So that's actually a good idea. But one thing, again, we brought it, I mean, not the MLM, but like, integrating riot into the actual like stadium name. Like I like that idea, but I mean, we've seen the team, like they put up graffiti all over the place and they've done a whole bunch of new like graphics and a whole bunch of new like video things where like, they definitely like have leaned into calling it the riot. Um, and so I, and that seems very intentional. Like they know that Rio Tinto is not going to be the sponsor anymore at some point, but they're still leaning into just calling it the riot, which is great. I like it. I appreciate that they're going to keep that name because you have to at this point. Yeah. And 
yeah, I think if you start now making it not silly to call it Riot, people are going to forget about it in so, five years when it's Zion's Bank Stadium or whatever it is. The Zion's Bank Riot. Yeah. The Zion Riot. I mean, the, Zion's, the Zion Bank Riot sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... I, no, Colin, I mean, like, as a stadium name. Oh, not sorry. Like, <laughs> sorry. As an activity. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. So uh, the U.S. Women's National Team, friendly against Colombia, June 28th, 2022. Which is like two months, two two months and a week. Yeah. That, uh, so, wow. Always, cool. always very cool. Uh, love to see it. Uh, they're, they're such fun and good matches to go to. <laughs> Um, and Columbia is like what they're moderately competitive. I think they're pretty good. Like, They've got, yeah. um, I think one or two girls on the team play in NWSL and there was one and I forget her name. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, that I think was, Oh no, I'm thinking of the Chilean girl that played college soccer here and is incredible. Um, I think there was like a midfielder that played in NWSL for a few years. I'm hmm. going to look it up. You guys talk about something else. All right. Uh, couple other national team-ish announcements. Uh, David Ochoa called up for Mexico for a match against Guatemala. We love it. Good for you, David. Um, yeah. Shouts from Sarah to her baby boy, David Ochoa. That's good. Can't forget about that. Uh, that that match takes place on April 28th. I, I don't know yet. If, I mean, the press release probably says, actually, if he'll miss time. Uh, which I am pulling up right now. So it uh, doesn't say anything about it. Um, but, you know, Zach McMath is sort of our starting goalkeeper now. So maybe. Uh, <laughs> you think? Oh, I don't know. No. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. And <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Unless we skip that, which would be fine. Uh, I'm looking at the roster now and none of these names are jumping out at me so maybe i'm just losing my mind mm. but no i do think that they are um like they're a competitive team they're yeah. not like uzbekistan it, it'll be uh fun to see a, a team we want to win at rio Tinto stadium winning yeah that'd be great yeah because uh it, a fresh change of pace i mean i'm i'm sure we'll win in the next two months but right now like i don't don't feel don't like we're it. going to win. Oh, no. boy, this is a depressing it's, episode. It's, it's bleak out there, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a good week for this. Um, no, but there is uh, one thing I also wanted to bring up just about that. Um, this crossed my mind earlier, and I kind of tweeted about it. The team has said that obviously it's not a matter of if, but when the Royals come back. The new ownership group has yeah a women's national team game at Rio Tinto would be a great time to announce that. That's I'm, I don't know anything. I'm not mm. reporting anything, but that's what went through my mind. That would be really cool if they took that opportunity. Can I be able uh, to cite that, you as but, an anonymous source on that? Uh, you can cite me, Trevor Brady, as an anonymous source okay. on Tre that rumor. Trevor Brady told RSL Soapbox anonymously. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. That that's Thanks. definitely, definitely happening. Confirmed. Yeah. Uh, and then final news item, unless there's something I've missed, Gavin Beavers called up to the U.S. under-19s. Good for him. He sounds like a person who is real. Good for Gavin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's I not a regen actually, name. <laughs> yeah. 
he's an actual human being. Yeah. Is that so? Okay. We've got a national international window where they're calling up players and we've mm-hmm. only got two guys called up. And is that like up and down total? Cause yeah. like usually we have like three or four that are called between the U 15, 17, oh, no, 19. We've, we've had U 15s and U 17s called. Uh, but do we have any others that were, we just not been told about them. Uh, so we've got Carlos Castrejon, uh, U16 Mexico national team. Uh, that's the only other one I see right now. But. Wasn't, wasn't Orozco called into the U20 camp? Oh, he, oh was. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't they send a press release about that? Uh, didn't they bury it? In, I, I know I saw something in my email about yeah. it. No, they buried it inside somebody else's. Let me uh, make sure this is in the doc. Orozco U20s. Now we may talk about him. Okay. Haziel Orozco got called into the U20s. Uh, he's a dual national, so that's exciting and interesting. Yeah. And keep an eye on that. See what happens. He's uh, been, I think, the only good thing about our last three games for me. <sighs> Maybe. Yeah. Definitely the last two. He's he's had some rough moments, but if you're going to have rough moments, you might as well be developing young players and getting them some experience. So it's like hard for me to really be too upset about some of those rough moments. He's got to learn. That's what he's here to do. Yeah, I have a rule that you can't get mad at anybody that's under the age of 18 playing professional sports. Like if they're good enough to be there, like they're they're going to make mistakes and you got to yeah. let those happen and you can't get mad about them. Yep. Um, great. Let's uh, let's talk All about right, New so York. What's, what's next on the thing? Oh, the RSL versus New York City FC game. Yeah, uh, we've got two notes here before we like actually go over the whole <sighs> thing. Uh, it was a six nil loss for those that didn't catch that. Ties uh, our worst ever result. Worst ever result in franchise history in any competition. Yeah. Mm, that sucks um the next note on this is we were so bad which uh pretty much sums up the whole game um we don't have kyle here to go through like the whole like minute by minute breakdown of this game so we'll just do it real quick basically rsl sucked from head to toe from minute one to minute 90 tati castiano scored four goals one in the ninth one in the 40th, which was a penalty, one in the 57th, which was a penalty, and one in the 60th, or no, sorry, 80th minute. Uh, Tiago Andrade scored two other goals in the 15th and 55th minute, respectively. Hmm. It was very bad. There was a player on the team that had was credited with two errors leading to goals, and that was our starting goalkeeper, Zach McMath, who was bad. <laughs> Like it, I was talking to Ryan about this at the, at the game last night. If you took away those two errors, which is not fair, but if you did, he was kind of a good goalkeeper that was let down by his defense a lot. He made, he did make several saves, several really good saves, um, throughout the game. Um, but you can't make two errors leading to goals as a goalkeeper and get any kind of credit or any kind of like, he was let down by his defense, anything like that's really bad. There are, yeah. in, there are entire teams that don't go the whole season with two errors leading to goals. And he had two in one night. So yeah. it is nice that we got rid of, I mean, that it was just, it was so bad across the board. Like there was almost no bright spots whatsoever throughout the game from anybody. 
And it's kind of nice that just everybody had their worst game of the season all at the same time. So hopefully everybody got it out of their system. Do we need to Homer meme this? Worst game of the season. So yeah. far. <laughs> so far, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a tough one. Um, Zach McMath made a nice save right before the first goal, actually. Like, yeah. like a point blank header. He made a really nice save yeah. um, only for Tate Schmidt to just not mark Castellanos uh, in the box as the ball came in um, for a free header. So that was rough from Taters. Um, if, if we're going to call out people who had a really tough game, uh, we can talk about Tate Schmidt, who had a very tough game because then he gave up a penalty very soon after um, trying to clear a ball, but kicking a New York City FC player in the face, which you can't do. Oh, wait, is um, that true? What, that you I, can't kick someone in the face? I was under the impression that it was okay if you were going for the ball. I don't, I think um, I mean, that it's did. not okay. It's it's situational, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't kick a player in the face. Like, that's against the rules. I think it's very specifically in the book is like, cannot kick players in the face. That's a foul. Mm. FIFA foiled us yet again. Yeah, I mean, we saw that the My week before hurt. against uh, Toronto. Uh, they had a player kick somebody in the face. And it also did not work out for that player. So that is true. And we've always been asking for consistency from our referees. And I think we saw that. So I think we need to point out something important about this kick in the face, though, is it was a bicycle kick in the face. Um, <laughs> and I, I just you still on that Carlos Salcedo did not leave his feet thing. Oh, no, I don't care. about. Okay, I mean, all right. OK, no, it's it's that I. I don't know what Tate Schmidt was doing there. Yeah, like oh, was, you can't kick a player like, in the face, but yeah, he he was wildly kicking at that thing. Just, just yeah, yeah it was no uh, chance of coming near it. Right? Very honestly, very lucky for him that it was in the box and he didn't get the double jeopardy rule. It was a red card offense, like outside of the box, but because it, the referee gave the penalty, he only got the yellow. But Probably a red card offense uh, outside the box. So, yeah. You know, I think we would have been better with 10 players. Not to say Tate Schmidt was so bad, uh, but like maybe we would have stopped trying to do something in the attack and just focused on defending. And um, maybe, maybe not, though. I don't know. I'm not convinced. Or, or get this, we could have had a greater than six goal margin. And instead of tying our worst ever defeat, we could have set a new record. It's true. We could have. Um, That would have been very bad. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What else to say about the game? Uh, Tactically, the whole team looked lost. I don't think it seemed like they had no idea what anyone on the the field was supposed to be doing. Uh, Several times, New York City FC uh, beat probably one of the worst presses um i've seen in soccer history i've seen you know and i've watched eight-year-olds play and i've been like we have seen bad presses from this team before and this takes the cake the i think it was maybe the and uh was it andrade who scored um uh, i think it was maybe that the ball was on the new york city fc uh left wing near the top of the 18 
six passes, I think, to uh, ultimately a goal. Just, just absolutely pinging it completely through the RSL defense and, and midfield and forward line that was pressing. Just an absolutely embarrassing effort for six passes from the top of the other team's 18 to uh, giving up a goal uh, on the other end. Just and, just horrific, horrific stuff. And that one was the first of Zach Nass' two errors that led to a goal because um, he just completely misjudged it, came out, thought he was going to get there, and then realized that he wasn't anywhere near it. And it's just one touch and around him and he shoots. Easy goal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to point out those six passes were not long passes either, right? Like, I don't think any of them were longer than 25 yards. And uh, it, it's not the RSL approach of, you know, 40, 50 yard, uh, 50 yard balls trying to beat, you know, beat the back line uh, like you're playing in, you know, 1993. But yes, I mean, every every ball, every pass in that sequence was two feet in space. Yeah. Mm. Rough. Real rough. Real real rough. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean So it was, it was three 0 at halftime, right? So three at halftime. Yeah. Real rough. After oh, and then the fortieth minute, yeah, we talked about it. Uh Tate Schmidt gave up the penalty. Right. Uh went into halftime, came out, uh made some adjustments. <laughs> uh Andrew Brody came into the game, Sergio Cordova came out of the game. Andrew Brody, famous for his defending prowess. Sergio Cordova, famous for his not scoring prowess. Um, <laughs> so overall, exactly what the team needed at the time. Uh, then New York City FC scored 10 minutes later, and then two minutes after that with another penalty. And then there was not much until the 80th minute when Tati scored his fourth goal. Was that the uh, the McMath like rollout to... A yes. New York City player. Yeah. Yeah. McMath has the ball and or wait, no, it was it was a back pass to McMath, and McMath tried to pass it to um an RSL player, as is tradition, and just didn't. Just did not do that. Passed it straight to a New York City FC player while he was out of position, and they very easily scored. Yeah, I and it's one thing that we learned uh this week is that uh, the kickoff play is one of Pablo's, uh, I guess, bellwethers for how the team is doing mentally. So I think this is his uh, too far away to look them in the eyes and judge their mentality from their eyes uh, sort of thing. Uh, at every, every kickoff, uh, I mean, we, we see it in the stands, right? We see it on TV. We pass the ball back to Pablo Ruiz. He makes a long pass to the other the other team. team. The other right. team. inevitably, right? Maybe yeah. Demir Krylik gets his head on it, and then that goes to the other team. But no, it's this not is, like a killer play that's doing anything for us. Well, and this is the thing: like that's a pretty standard, kind of common kind of thing that a lot of teams do. Is you just pass the ball back, give your guys forward a chance to get forward, and you just kind of make a long ball, and hopefully it's to you know a couple of players. You can win a second ball. Or whatever you're, you're moving the ball forward, and like a lot of teams do that. That's fine. I don't have any problem with like the idea of that. But yeah, doing it sometimes, right? It is 99 times out of 100 times that we do that. It doesn't go to an RSL player, 
And like, that's the kind of like very easy adjustment that as a coach, you should be able to see and identify and say, oh, that's really bad. We're just giving up possession immediately. Let's try literally anything else and just see what happens. Because the worst case is you give away possession a different way. Yeah. Like it's. So Pablo uh, in comments this week said that was one of the things that he was upset about. He didn't use those words, of course. He'll never he'll never let on that he's that he's upset, upset or disappointed or. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the team wasn't running that play at, on kickoff after going down three zero was for him a sign that that something was off. That was a sign that something was off. And I'm I'm just so that, was that his first sign that something was off. Uh, the, the, other, the other thing he mentioned, and and certainly like this is something to like care about. Uh, the other thing he mentioned was that players had their backs turned on defensive throw-ins. And yes, I get like you want your players paying attention on defensive throw-ins, but when that's your mark for how a team's performing or like how motivated they are, I, I'm sorry, there there is a lot happening in a game that I think you should probably pay attention to, and that is one of them. Not a key marker. I don't know. Colin, what do you think? Well, I think it's, I think that you're being dumb to expect that, you know, you would expect the players to perform tactically and perform the the press and the positioning that you had, you know, planned throughout the week uh, <laughs> in order to deal with New York city's, uh, you know, obvious threats. Like you can't be worried about that kind of stuff uh, in the middle of a game, Matt, you have to really be concerned about, the little things, because those are the things that lead to winning. Obviously, I mean, those are the things that that show uh, effort and spirit and just mental toughness, and that is how you win games. Look, and I realize that we lost the expected goals. If you believe that that matters, <laughs> but should we? Should Sorry, we but unfortunately, this is the perfect. this is the first game that we have lost expected belief. <laughs> And that really, that really hurt to see out there on the field uh, that the expected belief stats were so low. Just to be clear, um, Colin is very sarcastic. I just want to get that out of the way. Wait. Take everything he's saying with a grain of salt. Oh. Uh, we definitely lost the expected goal battle. Just to give you some numbers, it was 4.84 <laughs> expected goals uh, to 1.14. Hey, so that's, that's much better did- for us than I thought. I mean, RSL did have five shots on target wow, uh, from 12 uh, total shots, which is... That's more than the next game we'll talk about. I mean, that <laughs> that was an improvement on the week before. And so, like, you love to see that. But what's... um Get you, Trevor. 4.84 XG in one game is bad. Um, 12 shots on target, like, it happens. Better Six, write that down. Trevor swore <laughs> six goals from 12 shots is awful. Um, allowing 22 total shots is awful. Um, now granted, like I said, this is where you can kind of look at McMath and be like, he had kind of a good game. Uh, two of those shots on target were penalties. Um, so if you take those away, he was, it was 10 shots on target and he made six saves. So like that looks a little bit, that's not good enough, but that's about backup numbers. Like that's kind of what you hope to get from your backup. Um, But yeah, no, the whole thing is just miserable. You can't allow five XG 
in one game. Yeah, I don't I, think I don't. I'm not looking at the numbers, but I would be surprised if we'd allowed five xG across the previous three matches before that. Yeah, that sounds about right. We've been allowing well, between 1.5 and 1.8 generally. Um, it is worth noting that New York City did outperform their xG. So I think this is just a case of a team getting lucky. Yeah, clearly. They were extremely, <laughs> extremely lucky to score. Oh, my God. Sorry, I I thought I was over this New York game. I'm not. <laughs> I think... It was it was so bad and and the thing uh the thing that was worrying about it is that um if if you really kind of had been paying attention to games before that I I knew it was coming. I knew we were in for a bad day. Um well, because the team just hadn't been playing all that well like you know like the chances they've created been creating haven't been super high quality. They've been, they've been converting them, which is great. That's, you know, you, that's, that's fantastic, but, but they haven't been creating that many. And just overall, the team hadn't felt like they were playing very well. And so you just could feel a match like the New York city match coming. And it's one thing to have an off day. I think that that happens in sports, you know, like, too often fans want to make too much out of one game, right? Like, but there's, there is also a certain sense in which bad or like which good teams don't lose by six goals. They just don't, they might have an off day and lose two nil, but they don't lose by six. Like that, that just doesn't happen to good teams. This is, I mean, yeah, there's so many things I want to say. This is, what the people who have been mad about like the power rankings or the people who (laughs) disagreed with like stuff that we've been saying, like, I don't want to take the wind out of your sales column, but we've been saying this is a bad team from day one and they've been getting lucky and these results can't like keep happening. Like we've got to regress to the mean. And like, this is the team regressing to the mean. Like this is the team that we're seeing. You get a couple good games where, the ball bounces your way a couple of times. You get a couple goals that maybe you wouldn't have gotten before. And then you get kicked out of you by one of the best teams in the league. And you kind of get brought back to earth again. (laughs) It's uh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. We're, We're not talking just about like this game. Like obviously we're talking about this game, but that's why this game is so frustrating and so like important to focus on is because all of those things that we've been saying and other people have been saying about this team, we're seeing it. This is the, this is the team that we have. This isn't an unlucky team. This isn't, this isn't a very good team. Like you said, good teams don't win six, nothing good team or don't lose six, nothing. It's going to say good teams on a really bad day, lose three, nothing like, and it's just a really off day for them when they do that. This was an off day for RSL for sure. But if you have a bad team, your off days, you lose six, nothing. And this is a bad team. You know, what's really remarkable about this for me is that our injury report looked better than it's looked in months. Uh, and then we had this performance and there's just a humor in that for me. Like, We've got Aaron Herrera back. We've got Demir Krylik back. We're, you know, we're starting to bring players back. We've got close to as good a starting lineup as we can expect from the team is currently constituted. 
and then we throw up this sort of performance. Yeah, and there's we'll talk I about think, it a little I bit more. I think there's a couple things to to talk about with that is yeah. I think some of it is bringing those players back and how long have they had to train and become a cohesive unit. Um I think that that's part of the problem. I think bringing these guys back pretty quickly and not really having an idea of what they were doing. Like one of the one of the successes about RSL early in the season was they had a very clear identity with the formation they were playing and the roles that players were playing in. And it's very clear that tactically that's gotten lost right now. And and with the new additions, despite them being good players who should be playing on this team, you've lost a sense of cohesion tactically with what these players are supposed to be doing. And it shows, right? The, the, the ease with which New York City could move the ball through RSL shows that the players were not connected. I mean, not just like, you know, like they weren't connected with a game plan. They weren't connected with what understanding what each of their roles was, when to press, when not, you know, like when to help one another. They, they just weren't there. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about cohesiveness a little bit more, a little bit later, I think, but (laughs) I mean, there wasn't any to be seen. So yeah, no, just, it could be just as simple as that, as you know, you bring players back and it kind of disrupts the flow of, of what the team had, but I don't know that that's, well, I, I, I can't, I can't settle that in my brain. Cause any team like Liverpool is a good example. You get a well, couple so guys guess, that are injured and bad. You bring those guys back. It's, it doesn't disrupt the cohesiveness of the team. Right. Good players I, make I the team better. What I, the point I was driving at was that like bringing these players back, changed the system, right? Like, Did it? I mean, putting putting Dami in yeah, the okay. formation, despite, you know, like whether it was nominally the same or not, like the team was trying to play differently than it did, like against yeah. the Revs or Nashville. Like like they like they had a different tactical game plan based on who was in like the lineup. And and so it's not necessarily that I think that that I think that's what I'm talking about with a lack of cohesion yeah, yeah. is is that the tactical plan putting these players in was not in place. Right. Sorry. In my brain, I'm thinking of the back four and like Zach McMath, which Aaron Herrera's come in and we've had Brody kind of play back there a little bit. And now we've got Orozco playing in place of Glad. And like, that's what I was thinking. No, you're absolutely right. When Dami came in, that kind of shifted the whole thing. And we kind of knew that that might, like we talked about it. Like, how do you play with Dami in this formation? Like, which role does he fit in? He doesn't really fit in the role that was established in the first couple of games where we were playing well. So you kind of have to move things around. And yeah, maybe that's it. But I I can't wrap my head around and I can't accept that like having a good player, your captain, coming back from injury makes your team worse. Like, oh, that, it shouldn't. It un- shouldn't, for sure. <laughs> unacceptable. Like, that's not... Yes. If that is what's happening, like there's big problems going on. So do you both remember the match before this one? The Toronto, uh, Toronto match? Yes. Do you remember yes. how RSL ended up drawing that one at home? Uh, was that when Zach McMath threw the ball out to Dami in the midfield for some reason? Oh, yeah. I guess I wasn't thinking specifics. Just giving up two goals. Like <laughs> okay. giving, up, giving up the lead twice. Positions. Yeah, giving, we up, yep, giving up the lead twice. Then we, died, then we were up 2-1 and then we tied. So Pablo said something interesting around this New York match where he described the team as flying high coming into this one, into that one. 
coming oh, into, to the into New York, the New City, York match, City game. Into the New York match. And I'm just... Oh, my God. That made me so mad. I forgot about that. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Oh, I, I live for these idiot. moments, Trevor. I'm so mad at Pablo. So anything that you guys bring up about a Pablo quote, especially if I've forgotten it, it's just going to make me upset. Yeah, I, I did see that quote. It was it seemed absurd. Um, it was just it's it's a lie. It's a lie. We weren't flying high. I mean, maybe they Nobody were. Was but, flying like, high. but should they have been if they were? <laughs> no, like, they shouldn't have. You gave up like Toronto. Bless their heart. They're a good team in this yeah. league, but they, they're not. If we did that to New York City FC, or if we did that to the New England Revolution, it's like, okay, fair enough. One of the best teams in the league came back from losing position and tied it. That's going to happen sometimes. Toronto's like, not that they're good. Playing, they're they're playing better. They are playing better. I think they've got three wins, or like, like they they started the season poorly, and then they've started to pick up points in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, so they are playing better, but yes, they have. They are not like a titan of the MLS standing by any means. No. no. And so, I mean, one of the things is at the end of this New York City match, you know, you've lost six nil. To me, I'm looking at it. You know, it's like, oh, it, it's a one off, and I'm like, well, now this team has two points picked up in the last possible twelve points with a negative seven goal differential. <laughs> That's not playoff form no. it, over four games. Like that, it's just not like. Teams will go through rough stretches and stuff, but picking up two points out of 12 with a negative seven goal differential is just, a, it's abysmal. It's bottom of the table stuff playing that way. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at uh, the, so I keep rolling charts on the form guide, which you'll find on my Twitter if you look. Um, we're now. One, by the way, just a wonderful thing. Thank what you. a what a wonderful passion project that you put together that's actually just like so useful and cool and and well done. Good for you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, so we started. So I like to look at rolling charts. Uh, I kind of stole the idea from climate science a little bit because nice. you can't look at like one game and and derive something from it, right? And right. you can't just look at the last five games and derive something from it. So I like to do like like three game rolling or five game rolling. And then later in the season, do like establish how a team is like eight games. Um, but it's just but it, it, it's fascinating to see RSL go from from seven, nine, six point stretches of three games now to four and two and two. And it's just it fills I me mean, with a little bit of worry. You say you can't really draw a lot from five games, but like five games in this season, like you only get seven of those stretches. Less like than you break yeah. up the season and like that's one of the things about soccer is like five games is not an insignificant part of the season. Yeah. You can look at the last couple of games and say, you know what? We just had a rough break, but like that's been the last month of your season is the last four or five games. So yeah. And the last four games have been very bad. I mean, five games ago was, was Nashville. I, I would tell you, we can talk the last five games have now been very bad sure sorry I, yeah. i'm sticking to the five or the last four league mls game. games i know what you're doing but i i'm just we're not we're not to the most recent game yet which matt no. will have to censor a little bit more i think yeah uh so you look at a team like dc united who just fired hernan Lasado. is that hernan Lasado? uh now that wasn't for results but the results were bad uh I mean, this is this is a time in 
in the year where teams start to fire coaches for being for results, right? We saw Jeff Kassar fired earlier than this. Um, sure. There, there's a caveat you have to put there. Like that Delay Hansen is no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking teams don't hire a coach in the offseason and then fire them seven games in, eight games that's, in. That's true. Yeah. And I'm not saying, fired like three or four games into the season after two abysmal seasons before yeah. that. And and I'm not saying that we should fire Mascarani, but I think it's fair to take the the run of form we're in seriously. And that's the thing I think I like I like to keep in mind is that this is a good time to have serious conversations about a team. Like well, we we played eight games. It's a 34 game season. We are we're in it. We are just on. We're like 22 percent of the way through. Yeah, you don't get to be like, oh, it's early season, so we don't know what the team looks like yet. Like this is the team, guys. Like w- this is what the team is going to be until we can add people in June and July. Yeah, but. And I think the frustrating thing with Pablo famously on this podcast is we did not finish the season with a great run of form either. Yeah. Awful. So, so between, between the time that we've had Pablo as our head coach, we've had several just very bad runs of form, um, which I think is for a lot of reasons. But yeah. the main reason Pablo has a job is, you know, the foibles of knockout soccer. Right. Like he, he won a couple of playoff games and they were fun. I had a great time. I love those games. I, you know, yeah. a wonderful time. Um, but like the, the magic of that run is really what secured Pablo's job because the results before the end of the season were not great. Would well, you call even, him a knockout soccer specialist? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a good time to transition? Trevor, make your point and then let's transition to the next game. Just the point that I wanted to make is it seems like with Pablo, he's very up and down. Um, we we have gone through real rough stretches under Pablo. And we've gone through some real good stretches. I mean, the first four games of the season was, to be honest, one of the like best feelings that I've had as an RSL fan since like 2013. Like, it was incredible. And now we're dealing with the lows. And I, to be honest, like, I feel like part of it is just that like, Pablo's very much a motivational, you got to buy in kind of coach. And those coaches kind of go through swells where players buy in and then players don't buy in. And it kind of feels like that's kind of what's happening. And who knows, two weeks, these players might be buying in and we might be talking about two or three wins in a row. And that'd be great. But it, it just seems like that's Pablo's MO is we just go through several really rough games and then we go through a couple really good games. I just really wish that really rough game stretch would line up with games that are important to win and crucial to win and are a priority to this club. Like an open cup match against a third division team that's played like, depending on who you talk to, two or four professional games in their history oh. before coming to RSL and then beating so, us. What a, what, a, what a transition into Wednesday's game. Right. Yeah. Wednesday's game, the U.S. Open Cup third round, famously a, a famous competition. One of the oldest. I mean, it is the oldest cup competition in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, so it's that's pretty neat. And uh, six games, six wins from the third round uh, gets you a cup and it gets you into the CONCACAF Champions League, which has an enormous financial windfall um, and prestige. 
uh, setup. And everything we heard heading into the game by every single club person I saw a statement from was that this game was a priority. This is an important game. The, the club is taking this game very seriously. Six wins. That's all we need to get to the Champions League. That, that was the lead into this match. Um, you know, expected to set attendance records. Wink. Um, and ticket sold yeah. records. Let's, we can yeah. call it that. Uh, and Probably so, and so there's everything coming into this match that it was important. This is a very important match. This is a, a, an important match for the club and where the club is right now. And we're taking it seriously. It's a priority. This competition is a priority. That's what we heard. That's what we were told. And uh, then we played the game. Yeah. So let's let's start with the lineup uh, because I do think it's an interesting lineup. Uh, we've got David Ochoa in the back. Good to Making see him his back. Return. Right? Awesome. Stoked. Uh, and I think he had a, a pretty reasonable but not great game. I uh, um, didn't have a lot to deal with, certainly. Uh, his had, distribution had, was okay. I think he had one shot to deal with all game, Matt. Uh, two. The, oh, no. It, was it just one? Oh, we did double them in shots on target. You're right. And uh, yeah, they had five total shots. And one shot was on target. Yeah. And one goal. Oh, well, there wasn't any way he was saving that one, right? No, it was an incredible effort. Uh, yeah. Of course, you're not saving a shot from uh, Robert Cornwall. Um, excuse me. He is a legend in uh, what's the name of the Irish league? Pre- 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 the I top think division it's called that? the Irish Premier League. Oh, that's so boring. It, no, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. Top the, division you know, Irish player, like, and, and they've produced such legends as, do you guys know any Irish players that are modern? Yeah, Liam Brady. Oh, I love Liam Brady, but I said modern. Robbie Keane? Oh. He is modern. Liam Am Brady? I crazy? Liam Brady plays for like Aston Villa, doesn't he? Or uh, is it some other? His last name is Brady. I know that. Liam Brady was a famous Arsenal player from 1973 Irish? to 1980. Oh, well then who the hell am I thinking of? I don't know. But I love All Liam right. Brady. Anyway, no, yeah, former, former uh, Shelbourne and Shamrock Rovers and Derry City legend. Yeah. So uh, if Robert you've ever Cornwall, watched so, like Dairy Girls, uh, there, there's a name you recognize of a city. Um, <laughs> great show, by the way. Yeah. Very uh, I didn't think, mention any shows. That's a great show. Sorry, go on, Colin. Yeah. Uh, so, so we were going to talk about the lineup. Oh, yeah. So we've got uh, Bodie Davis, Justin Glad, Bobby Pierre, Tate Schmidt at the back. Uh, Bodie Davis has been on this roster for, what, two years now? Uh, Justin Glad making a return. Uh, Bobby Pierre uh, was a hardship calling recently uh, in in MLS. And, uh, of course, we've got Tate Schmidt, who will get there. Uh, Nick Beasler and Everton Louise in the midfield. Uh, Chris Garcia, uh, Jasper Leffelson, and Pierre Reedy. Again, another uh, hardship signing. And Rubio Rabin up top. So that's uh, at least six players that uh, have at least played or are playing starting roles for this team. Uh, I want to make three, four, five one players. thing real clear. No, they were please. the two Pierres, Pierre Reedy and Bobby Pierre, were signed to MLS hardship deals, which does not put them on the MLS roster permanently. Yeah. They were added to the 
RSL US Open Cup roster, which is separate from the MLS roster. And that's how they were able to play for RSL despite not really being RSL players. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's that's the lineup. And I think it's one that should have been more than good enough to win this game. Uh, but what what went wrong, Colin? Everything. Uh, I mean, it's hard to describe things that went right. Um, the the team just played poorly. They didn't they didn't play with any cohesion. Again, it didn't seem like there was really a plan. Matt, you posted uh, you posted a nice tweet about the past diagram showing Rubio Rubin like might as well have sat down in the middle of the field. Uh, he was getting no service whatsoever. Um, and I mean, it was rough. It was rough. RSL didn't really ever look like scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, credit to to the North, the Northern Colorado Hailstone. First, first of all, credit to them. A very professional performance. They came in and did a very nice job. Um, they played the team that they had to play against RSL, whatever that lineup was, it was not a very good lineup, but they played the team that they had to play and they beat them. So full credit to them, a very cool story for the Northern Colorado hailstorm to go into an MLS stadium in one of their first ever professional matches, uh, somewhere between one and five, uh, to beat an MLS team. Um, at a place like Rio Tinto stadium is a very cool story for them and those players. So, uh, you know, really congrats, congratulations to them. And they played hard and they played with a lot of hearts. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, the story is the, you know, MLS team getting embarrassed on their home field against a, an a opposition that they really should have beat. And there's just not really a good way to, there's not really a, a way to spin that that doesn't say, embarrassing for those players and that coaching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, it was bad. Uh, literally the only highlight that I could find from the game, uh, and this is trying real hard, uh, was Chris Garcia had a lot of hustle to him. Um, he was running everywhere and he was going full speed and I don't think he ever quit. So credit to him for that, but he was not good enough. Um, I think we all saw, at least for me, like we've seen Chris Garcia show up in preseason a couple of times and he seems like a very exciting young prospect or young player when you see him for two or three minutes at a time. Um, but now that we saw him for 90 minutes, I, I understand why he's not getting more minutes. Like. He wasn't very good. Um, he couldn't put a cross in. His crosses regularly got blocked or were just incredibly poor. Um, he had, I think, two crosses that turned into shots. Um, just because of how poor they were, they weren't anywhere near an RSL player. Um, he rarely beat players off the dribble. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to beat up so much on Chris Garcia, but like that's what everybody else on the team was doing and did. Jasper Leffelsend didn't really, he had one or two moments where I thought he made the right pass. He made a good decision. And then he just wasn't really involved in the rest of the game. Uh, Pierre Reedy uh, didn't exist uh, on the field 
like he his body was there but he accomplished zero things he was like a um, backup left back to me when, yeah, when he, H. Schmidt got lost Pierre Reedy was there which uh is not kind of I mean you you want cover certainly right but uh, you want you don't yeah I wanted to see more of him with the ball as a winger and I think that happened once or twice in the whole game uh Rubio Rubin uh one of my favorite players last year genuinely i think the most talented player on the field last night might have touched the ball four times and one was a loopy bicycle kick where he was trying to make the best of a bad situation didn't work out um but he like like one of our two shots on target though one of the nobody passed the ball to him he never got involved in the play and i don't think that was his fault i think it was just that we couldn't pass the ball I don't have passing statistics because who scored doesn't have anything on it. Cause why would they, but I, I don't I've think we connected statistics. I don't think we connected five passes the whole game. The longest stretch of possession we had was when Chris Garcia would have the ball and just not pass it and not make a cross and just kept it from players. Or when Jasper did the same thing or when Nick Beasler did the same thing, um, or when Everton Louise dribbled around the top of the box and gave away the ball. Didn't make a pass or didn't make a shot and then just gave the ball away. Just, oh, just, just mirrored it. Oh my God. No, it was the most frustrating thing I, yeah, I've, I've witnessed in that stadium. Uh, is it the most frustrating? It's the most frustrating performance for sure. Probably not the most frustrating like game that I've seen, but as a performance I'm, as effort heart grind muscle expected whatever you want to talk about all those jokes uh it just wasn't there it was it was awful it was trash there was wow, nobody that wanted to win the game it, it didn't look like at any point until like the 92nd minute we had 9 minutes of stoppage time which is which was insane um <laughs> Yeah, but like it made sense because you know their players were doing what you should do when you're the lesser team and you're winning against the best team. You go down with cramps, you waste time, and everybody at the stadium was getting mad at them. But like, score a goal, and they won't do that. Yeah, or it just doesn't matter if they're cramping up. That's good for you if you're winning the game, but you weren't, and you just have to stop play when a player cramps. Right? They'll they'll Uh, delay restarts. But, but sometimes rarely. they will if yeah, the play fair. like gets near them there was one or two players that like went down off the field then got back on the field and sat down and play wasn't stopped for like another minute or two um because a player finally put it out or because the play got near them and the referee stopped it for safety but like yeah it it was and so i'm just gonna bad. i'm gonna say something about cramping for a team that's playing it's like second ever professional game plausible yeah, makes sense. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's it's plausible. Checks I'm not. Out. I'm not. You know, like a, a team that's essentially in their preseason playing a, a really intense ninety minutes against RSL. A, a very plausible thing to have happen. I'm I'm not even that upset about it. Like one of their players legitimately had to come off, and that was one of the things that was the longest stoppages. Right, he went down in the box. You know, there was some argument like back and forth. Like, is he going to get subbed or if he if he isn't? But I think he, he it looked to me like he wanted to keep playing, but just couldn't. And that's what happens in preseason sometimes like for, I mean, you know, it's not their preseason. It's a professional match, but they just don't have a lot of matches under their belt and they haven't played that many minutes in at that intensity. And that's plausible. It just happens. Like it's, it's, 
And besides like the actual like muscle fatigue, that's a very real thing that happens to soccer players. The gamesmanship of it, like that's how it works. Like we've seen this before in every knockout competition we have. We've been in Champions League before and we've seen several teams do it. And you know what the consistent factor is in this? Every single time that team is winning. You know, you know, that team is probably worse than you and they know that. So they don't want to play because if you play, then it gives you a chance to be the better team. We weren't the better team at any moment last night. Right. And I would say that for ourselves fans, like we time wasted so much against Seattle in the playoffs <laughs> in a game oh, yeah. that we knew we were not the better team like and it was the right thing to do and that's what that's what happens. That's gamesmanship, it's what happens. That's how soccer's played and it's there's several things about fans watching soccer that irk me and like some of them I get it, I can't really complain about because it's American sports fans doing American sports fans things, but that's one that like is very easy. You can't get mad at a guy for doing that because that's how you played the game. And if you don't like that aspect of the game, like that's fine, but win, shoot, score a goal, do something to win. Uh, Oh, when I'm at the stadium, I'm totally booing. Are you kidding me? No, for sure. Absolutely. I'm I'm going nuts. Come on. But like, I actually be mad about it. No, no, it's yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's how the game's played. And I appreciate that you don't like it. I, I'm i a pro boo guy, like boo him for sure. But <sighs> win the game. Score, yeah. put, put three goals past a team that's two divisions lower than you. And then none of that matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't a, matter. A team that's yet to win the league game, by the way. Put, put players on the field that show that you're making this a priority. Because that's what you said you were going to do. And that's- instead, you put together... Half the Monarchs, who, by the way, aren't very good. You put half the Monarchs on the field, and then you made – oh, we didn't even talk about the plan substitution. So so before thing. we get to the to that, I think it's oh worth noting God. that only two of these players were Monarchs players. Uh, Chris Garcia has been on the RSL bench. Uh, Bodie how Davis many, has been on the RSL bench. Everyone how else many games has Bodie Davis play. played for the Monarchs versus playing for RSL? Oh, oh, certainly he's played more for the Monarchs. But how many games has Chris Garcia played for the Monarchs versus playing? They're Monarchs players, Matt. Yeah, no, I, I agree, <laughs> but they're on the RSL roster. Oh, sure. And it's not like we've got a deep roster. So no, we, they've got to get minutes. Okay, we want to talk about... And I think we need to hold them to a standard, problems. right? Like, if they're yeah. on a professional like first-team roster, we have to hold them to that standard. Right. And honestly, but, I don't think Bodie Davis and Chris Garcia were the biggest problems there. No, they, they really would, weren't. And I would look at unfair, Everton Louise and Nick Beasler and Rubio Rubin as as much Tate Schmidt, like players with significant. Well, Tate Schmidt is now reaching almost significant MLS minutes, so I, yeah. I get that one. But we, everyone, but like put, those players, have minutes under them. Sure, but we put a bottom of the barrel player on our roster team together. Yeah, there wasn't any player that started that game, with the exception of Rubio Rabin and David Ochoa, that is like in contention for first choice starting minutes. Justin Everton Glad. was, and I don't think he is anymore. And Tate Schmidt, he is, but I think we have agreed at this point, Tate Schmidt's not good enough. He's he's our only left back. He's our only left back. If you don't include Andrew Brody and Aaron Herrera, who like can but haven't played left back in not a significant amount of yeah. time. <sighs> All right, let's yeah. talk about the substitutions. Roster but, construction on this team is such a joke. Sorry. 
we'll so on. one of the things Pablo Mascarini said in the post game yesterday was that the substitution and and again yesterday is Wednesday. I'll probably publish this tonight, but uh, the substitutions were all planned out. Everything was planned, and that's that's a direct quote. Everything was planned, and he, of course he's talking substitutions. He's not talking like, hey, we we planned to go you know go down a goal. No, he he's talking about they planned to make subs at the 60th minute and the 75th minute, and they knew who was coming in and who was coming out. Yeah. So let's go over those substitutions. I'm got, I've got them pulled up almost right there. We go. Uh, so the 62nd, 63rd minute, we get three subs. Uh, we got Cordova, we get Orozco, and we get Caldwell, uh, replacing Leffelson, Glad, and uh, Everton. So there we go. There's our first set. First off, I'm glad they took Glad out. I'm glad. I'm glad all around. Glad's coming back from an injury. Excellent time to get him some competitive minutes to take him out. I have no problem. No problem with that in this game. I think that makes sense. Um, we weren't down at that point, right? No, they scored we in like not. the 82nd or 83rd minute. I think. 70th minute. Ooh, I was way off. Oh, so <laughs> those first three subs happened when? 60 when seconds. So it was, so no, was no. before. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So uh, it makes a little bit of sense uh, at that point to do some, you know, normal subs um, that you had planned. Like, uh, again, if Glad could only go 60 minutes and you wanted to give him 60 minutes to get some match fitness, I'm actually okay with that. That doesn't bother me. That's yeah. fine. Uh, so then the second set of subs, uh, 74th minute. So not long after they. So, so again, this had to, this was a planned substitution. Uh, Michael Chang for Pierre Reedy. I think we can all agree that was a good. Good move, I, even if it didn't work out positively. And then this is the one that confuses me a little bit. Paulo Ruiz for Bobby Pierre. Uh, going to uh, three-ish at the back, but no, not in Nick our... Nick Beasler pretty much just slotted back into the back line. Yeah, he just played He played like a very aggressive center back. Not that it made a difference, but... Uh, yeah. So, um, all planned. The... the that the, those substitutions made absolutely no sense. Uh, at least the, get Nick Beasler off the field uh, and put in a real attacker. Um, please, yeah. it's not it's not too much to ask. I think um, I've seen uh, enough Nick Beasler anywhere near the back line uh, to say that I never want to see it again in yeah, any circumstance not- for any reason at any time. I don't care if ourselves down to ten men. Do not put Nick Beasler. In the center back role, please. He's We're not like learning anything from that, right? Nope. I, 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 oh, yeah. That's that's extremely frustrating. Um, but it and was, it, and it, it was the plan, it, Colin. Right, that, that was planned. Well, it was the plan sucked, uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, and there, there should have been a plan. You know, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Famously, you got punched in the face. And you kind of have to react and figure it out afterwards. And uh, to to stick with a uh, to stick with a bad plan is just poor coaching. Yeah, there's there's nothing else to it. You did not sub in players with an attacking intent to try and win that game, uh, whether it was planned or not. That that's that's the truth. That is what the substitutions say. And on top of that, not doing that is a is a failure to meet the goals that you have set for yourself. You said this game was a priority. You made intentional decisions that did not meet that goal and did not show players or the fan base, you know, that that you, you were trying to even meet that goal. 
it was yeah it, my problem with planned substitutions um is not so is not that you plan to make substitutions like obviously if you're bringing a player back like justin glad limit their minutes for sure that's what that was a criticism we had about demir and look he's back on the injury report like bring players back and plan to substitute those players if they've got a minutes restriction that's fine if you've got three games in a week and you want to limit some players playing time that's also fine that's normal that's what happens i get all of that but if you make a plan to substitute players and you stick to that plan regardless of the result like you're not that game's not a priority it's a preseason game you don't care about the result you don't care if you win you just want to get player x 60 minutes you want to get player a 30 minutes and that's what they did it like you said the putting in ruiz and chang like they're kind of good players but that's not the substitution you make if you're trying to go score a goal in this what minute did they come in? 75th? Yeah, 75th. So you're giving your players 15 minutes to go make an impact? We've talked about this before. You can't give a player 15 minutes to come back from a two from a one goal deficit. Yeah. You can't. So it's Yeah, I I the, the making three subs at the 60th minute like makes some sense, but then it hamstrings you when you go down a goal and you're only allowed to make two more subs. Yeah. And when you have the bench that you have and you have the players that available to you like you've hamstrung yourself the the team the game is not a priority you had alex mower asked uh, the question at the end of um mauer. end of the game mauer sorry alex mauer asked the question of pablo at the end of the game uh you definitely have three games in a week and i get that that's fine but you chose to make this game the rotation game this is the priority game you've got portland next week you had new york the week before you chose to make this game the midweek game or not the midweek, you chose to make this the rotation game. You brought up two guys that aren't RSL players to play this game. Like, this isn't the priority. Clearly, like, the priority is New York and Portland. And who knows if that's even going to matter at the end of the season. The Open Cup game will matter immediately if you lose it. And you lost it like a bum. Because, like, it's just bad coaching. Right. And I think, I think, uh, I think... What it comes down to to me is I, I care less that the club clearly lied about this being a priority because they did. Uh, it's clearly just not true. You cannot convince me that that's true. If like it, it just isn't the the way it was coached, the the roster you put out, it was not a priority. Yeah. So it, it bothers me less. I'm like, fine. You you said it's a priority because you have to say every game's important or like whatever, so that you can sell tickets and get fans in the stadium. Six games to CCL. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but. It should have been a priority is my point uh, because it is six games to CCL and you're just in, you're in a knockout tournament. Anything can happen. This roster as constructed is going nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Are we, are we currently looking at this roster and saying that we're going to stay ahead of Nashville? We're going to stay ahead of Seattle because if we don't stay ahead of those two teams, we're out of the playoffs. So like already, like I, to me, I'm like, why wouldn't you're nothing? You, you've got a nothing roster. Why wouldn't this be your priority? Go win some open cup games. Give yeah. your fans a couple more, you know, potential home games and something to root for. 
It's insane to me. It's insane to me to look at the Open Cup game and say, we don't care about this. I actually was excited when the club said it was a priority because I was like, that's smart. When you're not a very good team, a good cup run can be really fun. Absolutely. And, and, they, and they blew it. They blew it for no reason. Uh, they, I mean, because the, the frustrating thing to me is, is last year we lost to Portland four times. The total goal differential in those games was minus 10. So now you've put yourself in a situation of getting killed in New York, blowing the Open Cup game, and going to a place and playing a team where you have historically played very bad in the last couple of years. You're, you've set yourself up for a three-loss week and having nothing positive to take away from it. It's, I, I don't understand it. I, it's, it's, poor, it's poor prioritization and, and you, you know, like... It's it's poor coaching and it's just a poor direction of the club at, as it stands right now. I agree completely. It's all very poorly done. Um, the only thing I disagree on is like like I said, I I hate that the club is lying to fans about the current state of the team. If you've got a, a jazz team that several years ago didn't have Donovan Mitchell and didn't have Rudy Gobert, you didn't have the front office coming out and being like, this is our year, guys. We're going to go to the playoffs. Like, you didn't have any media member, any PR member of the team. Like, teams admit they know when it's like their window and they know when it's not their window. And it's not RSL's window by any stretch of anybody's imagination. And I would love it very much if the team just admitted that. The Open Cup, like you said, is the chance for mid-table teams to show something, make something of their season. It's six games you got to win. You can prioritize those games and win. And you can be a team that comes out and says, a, a coach or a PR guy or, or a front office, whatever, that comes out and says, we're trying to do better, but this is a rebuilding year, guys. Please be patient with us. We haven't heard that at all from this team, but that's what this team is. That's yeah. the frustrating part of, for, for it for me. Like, I understand that like sometimes you don't take Open Cup seriously and sometimes you don't win games, but it's so frustrating to hear from the team over and over and over. This is a great team. We're going to go win games. We're going to go win championships. We've got the most heart. We're going to we're doing all this stuff and we're taking the U.S. Open Cup seriously because that's what good teams do. And none of it is true like just stop lying to yourselves stop lying to us fans that's what's so frustrating for yeah. me about about this whole thing if they came out and just said you know what it's probably not going to be a priority we're going to try to rotate it's a midweek thing we're, we're trying to take the league seriously if they just said that and set us up for realistic what we expectations saw, right reality i wouldn't be that i would be upset if we lost to a third division team but i wouldn't be as upset because yeah, right Two week, a week well, ago, if they said, you know, it's going to be a rotated lineup, so, you know, we're going to have some Monarchs guys called up for the roster, which, by the way, wasn't ever announced until the thing happened, and even then it wasn't announced. We're going to have some Monarchs guys called up, but you know what? It's a third division team. We should be able – we're going to give it our best effort. We should be able to handle this. And then from then, we can see. They didn't say that, and that it's so infuriating that a team is just so unwilling to call itself – what it is right yeah i i don't i don't disagree um and the thing about the way the club has talked about it and um you know by saying it's a priority by saying they were taking it seriously and and that it was really important 
I have to take them at the word and say then it was a catastrophic failure. It was yeah. a catastrophic failure for the for the players, and it was a catastrophic failure by the coaching staff. That's it. Period. Dot. Finish. You guys said it was a priority. Nobody got it done. Everybody looks bad. And bad I, on you. Terrible. I would, terrible stuff. I would Objectively love to hear terrible. I would love to hear a coach at the end of that go into a press conference and say, maybe not those words, but at least admit to their own shortcomings, at least to admit to their own failure. Instead, we got some pissy stuff like, oh, you know, we just weren't good enough in the final third. Yeah, like, yeah was, of course you weren't because you put out the, the worst possible. You're not going to get a good effort in the final third. You're not going to get good stuff in the final third with that lineup. Yeah. Like that's you just admit that you put out the wrong players or the wrong, whatever. There's no, there's no accountability. Yeah. That's the word. There wasn't any accountability from the team. And I promise we're not going to hear anything more about this for the rest of the season. We're not going to hear anybody apologize. We're not going to hear any um, ownership of the issue. Cause that's not what this team does right now. They don't, own, yeah. they just move past. They just wait until they win a game. And then they talk forever about that win and how we're the best team in the world until we lose. And then it's just on to the next one. Sorry guys. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating and it's just, if it just keeps happening, like we just got to keep calling it out. Cause it's garbage. It's bullshit. Ah, I'm so mad. All yeah. Right. And I think I, I made this point on this pod at the end of last season, right? You don't have the perfect coach in place with the perfect roster and the perfect team cohesion and finish seventh in the MLS. You don't, you don't something, something there is not right. You either, either you don't have the roster that you need. The coaching isn't the best, probably some combination of both of those things uh, in this case. And like you, you know, you can't ask people to swallow a, a mouthful of bullshit constantly. Yeah. I have something to say, but I have to write down that now Colin has sworn. Also I have done a swear. I'm and, sorry. And, you know, maybe this will go out uh, marked explicit, but I just want to give us the option, of course, of sure. of not. Um, the thing that, that gets me about this is not the planned substitutions per se, uh, because I like both of you pointed out, like planned substitutions in some circumstances are totally fine. And even in, you know, competitive matches, they can be useful, right? We got yeah. Justin Gladback. We got 60 minutes under his belt. It didn't hurt us. And we didn't expect that putting Jose Orozco in would really hurt us. With five subs especially, you get options to do things like that. Uh, the thing that that kills me about this, we were down 3-0 at halftime against New York City. The coaching staff had an opportunity in that game to say, okay, we're we're going to now change our plan and we will prioritize Open Cup. We will make, you know, we could make, they made one substitution at halftime. They'd made three substitutions and then let those players start this game that might not otherwise have started. Are we looking at a, like a better team? I think inevitably you can't put Pierre Reedy, who just came out of college, like he has played just college ball and like one or two maybe Monarchs games and expect him to create anything on the wing. And I almost called him Mike Pecky. That was uh, that would have been rich. Uh, Pablo Mascarini came into this. Did you realize that their initials are swapped? No, I did no. not. Wow. That's good, yeah, but true. Good point. The universe works in mysterious ways. Uh, you can't tell me that Pablo Mascarini put Pierre Reedy there and expected him to perform. Like 
like at best we could hope that maybe he has a breakout game and we realize he could be an RSL player someday. Yeah, but he But that's a stretch. Like and and you have to acknowledge that's a stretch. And you can't put say, all right, we're gonna put Chris Garcia in for his first competitive match, and you know who's gonna play attacking midfield? Jasper Leffelson, who has played like three professional games. Not as an attacking midfielder. Not not as an attacking midfielder. He's played right back for us more than he's played in the midfield. He's played right wing. And, yeah, just, and it just, it, it's baffling like that we expected anything better than what we got. Top to bottom, it was just not, not what we were promised, not what we were expecting, not what we should have seen, we should have got. Like it was just, yeah, there there was no decisions made in this game, with the exception of starting David Ochoa and pulling Justin Glad at 60 minutes. I don't think there was a single decision made by the front office, by the coaching staff, that like made a lot of sense and is completely defensible. Yeah. Yeah. Five, I mean, I five think plan subs. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, putting Cordova in was probably fine. Like, I don't really mind that. Also, he came in with Glad at the same time, right? Still nil nil. I think that that's probably fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the quality of the team was not there, um, which is also itself an indictment of where RSL currently stands that you can't even field a team of half competent reserves. That's really tough. That's a really tough place to find you in it. And it shows you that even at the top, this team is two, two inches deep. You go one player top, one player past the starting player that's normally in the lineup, and you're already in trouble with a with a player who's barely MLS caliber at best. Yeah, yeah, yep. Huh. It, it feels. I mean, this is the it's the quintessential Pablo Mastroeni problem, right? I uh, as a as a quote motivating coach, like he is going to try to motivate players to extreme highs and it's never repeatable right and you can get away with that when you play one or two players who aren't good enough when you play six seven players that aren't good enough like i don't know um right. i do think it's important we talk about sergio cordova uh who oh man that oh talk, boy. What, what is there to talk about with sergio cordova matt let's set the stage so I, I know he had a couple opportunities to shoot and didn't. Yeah. Um, and and it's clear by now that he is not a finisher. Like, oh, okay. I you thought you were going to say something. Else. Sorry. Oh, what, what were you going to? What did you think I was going to say? Good soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far. I I think there is a system at RSL in which he could be effective. I agree. Would he be a goal scorer? No, no, he's clearly not a goal scorer. He's clearly not a great header of the ball. People look at him and say, that man is tall. That man has muscles. So he must be great at heading the ball. But doesn't, doesn't always work like that. It's, it's such a surface level analysis. Um, and it, they see him in good goal and scoring positions and they think, oh, he must be a great goal scorer. We just have to unlock it. But, uh, and I, I think I said this on Twitter. I definitely said it in Slack. I think Sergio Cordova is the player he is. And the reason he's at RSL 
is because he's not very good. Uh, David Blitzer is not going to say, Augsburg, why don't you loan RSL your, you know, your best starting player? He's not going to say, you know, why don't you loan RSL Ricardo Pepe? That would have been very, very funny. This and I is, would have loved that. This is what I've been saying. Yeah. But but Cordova right. is, you know, a player that that we got on loan because he's not very good. He's not he's not good enough for the Bundesliga. He was pretty easily replaced. Yeah. And like the Bundesliga is a great league and they've got great teams and great players. Yeah. But the Bundesliga is also where a lot of players like you can get players from the Bundesliga to play in MLS. Amir Krylik. It, well, he wasn't Bundesliga. He was second they, Bundesliga. They bounced up and down, but yeah, you're right. And yeah, but you can get players from Bundesliga and bring them over to MLS. And it, it's not like a half-decent Bundesliga player is going to be the best player in MLS. You know, it, Bundesliga and Serie A, I kind of view as the same kind of level as far as player scouting, player talent. I don't I don't think Bundesliga is that bad. Okay, come on. <laughs> No, I just mean like you can find mid-table, lower-table teams in Bundesliga and Serie A with players that you can bring over to MLS, and they're good players. They're serviceable players. They're not. They're they're cheap enough players that you can pay them, and they're cheap enough players that you can pay a transfer fee for them, even. And it's not going to break an MLS team's bank. That's where we got Everton from. Everton was playing for a lower-table Serie A team before he signed for RSL, and like. If you're not good enough for a middle table, low table Bundesliga or Serie A team, you're probably also not going to be good enough for an MLS team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 a, and a team that you have your owner that shares a team, but like you said, they're not going to send their best player over here. They need their best player on that team. They're going to send the players that aren't good enough for that team to another team. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there's if you ask Crystal Palace fans and stuff, you'd have some questions as to how well the Blitzer group has uh, funded these teams and stuff. So there is certainly some things to be leery and cautious, like weary about uh, with the ownership group. And especially with the fact that we've gotten no deals done so far, um, it it definitely doesn't feel great. Um, and yeah, I, I you know, I had high hopes for Sergio Cordova and he's just as as we kind of said, just. Not very good. Um, he, he kind of is what he is at this point. Like I feel like we've seen enough of him that we kind of know what he is. His decision making is probably some of the worst. Like I mean, like in front of goal is probably some of the worst that I've ever seen. The, this is what I was like, going to say. Like, when, a, like I mean, he had it was right at the end of the game. He had he had the ball directly into the box. He should have just ripped it. Just like absolutely ripped it at the net, you know, ripped it towards the far post. The, the, the keeper makes an unbelievable save that, you know, you, you put up your hands and you're like, whatever. Instead, he crosses it and it's easily cleared by the the hail, the hailstorm player. And, I, and I'm just like, your decision making sucks. This it's is just bad. This is what I was going to say when Matt was talking about talking about him. Like his his biggest weakness is obviously like he, he I think he could be a goal scorer. I think he has. The talent, obviously, he's he's gotten to this level, and he plays in the position where you could be a goal scorer. But you got to shoot the ball, and he just doesn't. If somebody yeah. just got in his ear and was like, "Listen, dude, shoot the ball six times a game. Anytime you're anywhere near, just shoot the ball." If he, I, 
did the that. The thing is, is I'm, I'm scared get, that somebody's... He'd get a goal one or, one or two of those times. Yeah, Probably. I'm scared that somebody's already done that and they found out how bad that was. Yeah. I, sure. I mean, he's 24, right? He's I would not a still kid. prefer... I mean, no, I, and I know. Wild, but, you know. I would still prefer to see him shoot the ball. Like you said, in that instance, shoot the ball, dude. Yeah, yeah. he had to, he had to he had to shoot it there. There's was a just, couple times in that game where a couple players, Everton was one of them, where I was like, buddy, shoot it. Whatever you're about to do, the best decision is to shoot the ball. And even if it is off frame because you're a defensive midfielder and you're not gonna you're not a finisher, we need shots and we need shots on goal. I, I mean, we had two shots on goal off of what did I say? Five shots in that game? No, it was it was like fourteen or twelve. It was five. Five shot? No, 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 no. Sorry, Northern Colorado at five. We had yeah. sixteen. Yeah. Now, now that I think is sorry. actually worse, uh, or at least it's not better than taking five shots. But okay. I just the, in that game specifically, I needed players taking shots especially at the end of the game we tried putting in way too many crosses and it's so frustrating for me to see a team that either can't put in a cross or the crosses are all defended properly continue to just put crosses in well and there's no other game plan this team has no other game plan this team is not I, capable of building up run I, play through I the know. middle. they're just not I, I'd, i've never seen anything like this it is, this is they what I'm cannot saying. they do not have any dynamism in the middle of the field and any connection and any any workable solution that is not across from the outside wing and uh, they don't they just don't but we get the ball in like in those places sometimes 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 we do sometimes the ball is at the top of the 18 shrugging very bigly on the podcast (laughs) but that's what i'm doing i just shrugging as big as i can i'm like yeah sometimes we do it we got nothing once we do it i know and that's what's so except for the time that pablo Took a shot near the end of the game. And they set off the, the pyro behind the goal. Did they really? And the smoke, yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. It's. It was. It was so. Frustrating. Every single second of that game. From about the 15 minute on. Both of our shots on frame, by the way, came in, I think, the first 10 minutes. 10 or 15 minutes. And at that point it was like, okay, we're getting, we're getting shots. We're getting shots on frame. Even like that's something we've been struggling with. Yeah. We were building into the game. We thought, right. This is is not the team that I thought would be getting shots on goal. So that's a good sign. Well done. And then that was it for the rest of the game. Yeah. The last 80 minutes of the game was. So just the worst soccer I've seen in that stadium in a very long time, which is saying something because I watched, all of Mike Petke era and all of the Jeff Kassar era in that stadium. And I watched the U S open cup game in 2013 and we watched oh. the open, the watched so many bad games in that stadium. And that was by, f- it was one of the worst. Yeah. I, so I was thinking about back to last year, um, kind of when Rubio Rubin was breaking out because like several of his goals came through the middle. They were like through balls put through to Rubio Rubin. Yeah, who who would like made a nice run onto it and, and uh-huh. finish past the keeper, and I haven't seen anything remotely close to that in eight months, nine months. Can I can I ask you a question? Yeah, what might have happened in about a, a few months ago that might have changed uh, that from the, being a possibility? One of the things I was thinking about is, is I, I don't think I've seen it since the coaching change, oh. or 
I, that's that's one. That's a good answer. That's not the answer I had in mind. Okay, what's the answer you have in mind? Uh, we don't have Albert Rusnak. Uh, that's true, Or too. an Albert Rusnak-like player. Yeah, or, or that's also anybody. a good point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> realistically, Scott Caldwell is our Albert Rusnak rep- replacement right now, so... Yeah, which is also uh, also another uh, another very good point. But I, even I feel like at the end of last season, that was yeah, we were totally reliant on crosses, even with Albert. Oh, in, no, we in were formation. Yeah, it was the yeah. Herrera Kryla connection, right? Yeah, yep. And so it's which at like some point, I mean, Portland's figured it out, right? Like Portland clearly uh, every game last year was just like, oh yeah, you just shut down Aaron Herrera, and they can't do anything, um, and. Uh, yeah, I, it's amazing to me that more teams haven't figured it out. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you say that, but Herrera's not been... I mean, he hasn't played, so this is unfair, but he's been un- ineffective. Right. The time yeah, he, he has played, he hasn't been... It doesn't... It's hard for me to say that that's the game plan this year because it hasn't really happened. No, I mean, I think the game plan in our attack right now is we don't really have one. You know what's yeah. weird about uh, RSL against Portland last year? All of the games, so from August to December, so August 7th was our first game last year against Portland. December 4th, our last one, of course. All of those came after Pablo Mascarini came in as coach. Nice. Really? So Pablo lost all four games to Portland with a negative <laughs> 10 goal differential with I mean, that roster. Freddie Warren wow. left around the 24th of July, right? Wow. Uh, give or take, yeah. Because it was thought- about a year from... Oh, September 1st, they announced he'd been hired. Oh, hold on. Maybe. No. Yeah, I, I, I was like, that, okay. that first game doesn't line up to me. You're yeah. right. You're right. Uh, that the, was the closest game of the. Of the yes, it, it was the closest game of, this, of the series. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the 3-2 game, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that we've had Pablo for not even a, a full MLS season and we've given up six goals twice is just not very encouraging to me. No. Like, this is a question I posed and I didn't get any responses from it, but that's because we all have you muted. Fair enough. Um, yeah. How many MLS coaches currently that are like current MLS coaches have lost a game or have allowed six goals in a game? Do you think? Uh, I, that's a good question. How many times has a team in MLS given up six goals? Like in history, I think it's like, it's less than 10. It's right yeah. around there anyway. Uh, so Toronto gave up seven once last year. RSL gave up six. Nashville gave up, gave up, or sorry, uh, Cincinnati gave up six. DC oh, United Cincinnati. gave up I forgot about Cincinnati. They would have done that uh, once or twice. Portland gave up six last year. Interesting. Against, okay. uh, against Seattle. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, in 2020, there was one seven-goal game. Uh, but with a six goal differential, San Jose, you know, uh, 2020 was weird. I don't like to count 2020 stats. Yeah, that's fair. No, the weird bubble year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but not here's, great. here's, it's, it's here's the point. It's fewer I'm... than 10 times a year that a team gives up six goals. Okay. And it's very how, rarely the same team. How many, t- how many coaches have had two goal, two games where they've given up six goals within a year period? I should have uh, kept their job. I don't have that data, but it can't be many. It can't be, and I'm not quite to the point where I think it's fair or justified to like call for the firing of Pablo Mastroeni because it's not his fault. He's got one of the worst rosters in the league. Like you taking it into context, like I don't think he's 
the guy. I don't think he's the best coach. I don't think he was our best option when we were looking for coaches. But I, I, I'm not to the point where I'm calling for him to be fired. But he's clearly not that great of a coach. Yeah, and I mean we've we've seen that it's been established. I don't know how anybody is still like on board with Pablo. Yeah, but and he is, he is what he is. He's not getting any better than what he is. Great coaches get a lot out of mediocre rosters, right? Or, yeah, and, yeah. And, especially and I mean, in MLS. Yeah, but I think I mean this roster is abject. I mean, this is years of mismanagement all coming to roost uh, at one time, yeah. um, and, and this roster is is a disaster. Um, so I'm kind of with Trevor. Like, I mean, you gave him the job. Now you now you got to now you're just you got to see what he can get out of this roster. Um, I don't think that he is a very good coach, and I think that his coaching record has shown that. I don't. He had one good year as a coach with Colorado, where he you know took him to the Supporter Shield you know, a, a very good season. Other than that, his record is just completely middling. It's not very good. Yeah. Uh, he is, he is at best an average MLS coach, which in terms of world coaching is a C minus D coach uh, yeah. across world soccer. So, I mean, that's just who, that's who Pablo is. And I don't I really expect a lot more uh, out of him than that. No, and-, and so, it's it's a tough time. I, I think that that it's you know it will be very hard to say he should be doing a lot more with this roster because I think very few coaches in MLS would be I would say they're gonna make the playoffs as this roster. Yeah, it's it, this is it goes back to I wish the team would be honest about what they are kind of stuff like we because this team is a team that we just got a new ownership group we we finally have supposedly open the purse strings and are willing to spend money and willing to invest in the team at the very least invest more than the previous ownership group in the roster. And fair enough. We've only had one window. It wasn't a great window. It's still open. (laughs) I mean, but I I think we like literally it is still open. So, okay. But I do think that's where this team is. Like, I think we're capable of getting better players. We're capable of, building this roster to be better than what it is. And it's just, again, it's definitely, it would be unfair of us if we didn't put it, put this whole frustrating mess in that context that Pablo's not really the coach. We haven't really given people time to really work things out. Uh, We were talking in the Slack about Elliot Fallen and his um, inability to sign to get these goal to get these deals across the line and the deals that he does get across the line more often than not over the last couple of years have turned out to be not impact signings you know or or not long term signings or or something like that so is it fair to start getting mad at Elliot for this like kind of but again it's the the whole like new ownership group like i said we would be remiss if we didn't put it in that context this team is bad but it has plenty of potential to get better and hopefully it does. And I'm excited to see what happens when, and if it does get better, but right. that's, well, that's, that's, think- that's the context that we need to put in when we're talking about how bad of a coach Pablo is because he lost to a third division team. Like in the grand scheme, that's not, that's, that's not what this is about. Yeah. Right. It, it just back to back. I think it just, ugh. I think, yeah, I think there are things that are irksome about it. Um, 
you know, I posted a, a quote from Thomas Tuchel today. Um, who, you know, Chelsea lost uh, to a garbage club. Uh, 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 just just a team that's going nowhere. They have no hope uh, in Arsenal. Um, I am just, wearing just, an Arsenal shirt today. So Yeah, you are. I know. I had to, I had to take some shots at Arsenal I there. I, and you know what? Essentially, he was like, he, in his press conference, he's like, uh, the team, I didn't, I didn't get the team selection right. I didn't get the tactics right. And also the players had to play the game and they made mistakes. And those are all things we can't have happen if we want to compete at this level. And I don't, you know, like I'm someone who, you know, I, I don't think a coach can come out and say, it's a it's good coaching for Pablo to come out and say, my entire roster is garbage and these bums can't do anything. He shouldn't come out and say that. I mean, right? we've had one MLS but, coach do that already this correct. year, so. Yes, exactly. I would love for uh, a second. Yeah, uh, I don't think he should do that. But I do think that there is a sense of like, he doesn't show us as fans that he understands what's going wrong and that he has a plan in which to fix it. Because when you when you finish that US Open match and you say, I thought the effort was pretty great, it wasn't. And if you can't recognize that, like you're either feeding us just nonsense to just fill up time in quotes, or you just genuinely don't understand what you're seeing out there. And I would like to think that he's s- smarter than that. Um, but like, it's just with no accountability, there's no ability to judge that the club is working on the right things and that, that there's an acknowledgement of what's going wrong, wrong out there and how that it's going to be fixed. Like a- average MLS players are going to make mistakes and that's just how it is. Like, and you know, that, that'll happen. It happens at, at all levels, but like you've, you've got to be able to talk about some of the things that are going wrong in a way that shows that you understand it and that you're working on it for the fan base. Otherwise it, it's, it's insanity. It sounds insane to listen to a Pablo Mastroni press conference and have him say that everything is great. When I just watched something on the field that was extremely poor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems as good a place to, as any to uh, to transition to a very brief Portland preview. Uh, the game is on, is it Saturday? This weekend. Saturday at 8 p.m. Uh, it's in, in Portland. In Portland. Uh, and you can watch it on TV if you'd like. <laughs> you can watch it on, yeah, TV. That's right. Yeah, it's usually where you watch things, uh, or on an app if you'd like as well, or an app on yeah. your TV as some of us do. Uh, in the last ten games, RSL has won one, two, two. Awesome. Uh, is it just two? <laughs> Probably. That sounds right. We've oh, been man. very poor against. Like when Portland first came into the league, we were pretty good against them, and the last couple of years we've been very bad. We had some really great moments against Portland. Yes, we did. Anyway. Devin Sandoval, Devin Sandoval mm. game. So I was there. What a, what a time to be alive. Yeah, Johnny Steele scoring in stoppage time. Oh, Johnny Steele. Oh, my. I hadn't thought of Johnny Steele in forever. Talk about remembering some guys. We, oh, wow. We created uh, an MLS uh, meme that still lives today. In the crying Portland guy. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was against us. That's, I, I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, if you... Wow, Johnny Steele's uh, 
Instagram is a treat. I'll tell it's you. It's awful. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> so good. Uh, so go check that out. It's just Johnny Steele, one word. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, so how, so how about this? We've won. We've won two games. Yeah. Have we drawn any games? Oh yeah. Uh, one. So awesome. two, two, one, and seven against Portland in our last ten. Yeah. Now to be fair, that's with like three different coaches, which is very funny. Yes. Yeah. Very sad. I, I'm sorry. I didn't do that in the proper MLS format. Let me do it in the proper MLS format, which is extraordinarily stupid. Yep. We're two, seven, and one uh, because we should list wins and then losses and then draws because it doesn't make any sense to list wins, draws, and losses in sequential order of points gained, uh, which would make a lot of sense when you're looking at a table to understand the point totals of a team. Yeah. But we should always put losses second in MLS. Well, I, Colin. I agree. Tell us, uh, tell us how you really feel. That that pisses me <laughs> off so bad. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if Alex and Ethan are listening to this, how about we give our predictions and then they can tell us if we got points. It, I don't know if you listen to RSL Sundays or RSL Sunday. I never remember which, but they've started doing this thing where they give each other points based on, you know, if their predictions are right. So uh, okay. I will predict a 6-0 loss. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get uh is it two points if I get the score line, one point if I get the result. Uh Colin, what about you? I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go two nil Portland. Trevor. I'm gonna go three one Portland. All right. I almost went three one. That's but then I was like, I actually don't believe in this team to score right now. Yeah. I mean well, you, you go. got you gotta luck your way into something soon, right? No. <laughs> Fair enough. You well, honey, parting is such sweet sorrow, but uh, it's almost two hours. So, uh, speaking of speaking of sweet sorrow, Did- uh, one last thing. Oh no! <laughs> Dallas Mavericks beat the Jazz one twenty six one eighteen. Oh, which means the Dallas covered, and Dallas also won the money line. How so much- your boy won some money. How much did he win? Uh, I don't. I don't talk about those things. I can't believe you. No, I, you would bet against our beloved Utah Jazz uh, when Dallas is going to beat the Jazz, obviously, and it's plus three twenty. You make the bet. Yep. Obviously, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> These guys are clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's rough in Utah. Oh no! Sorry. In, in from the Ryan Smith Sports Entertainment Group. Yeah. Rough our, times. Our seg. All right. Well. Now, now we say goodnight. So, gentlemen, thank you for having me. I love being on the pod. Thank you. Of course. Oh, I don't Absolutely. think we pointed out that you're a doctor. So, thanks, uh, thanks, doc. Podcast doctor for hire. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you like you're going to go rogue? You're not just our um, designated doctor. I mean, anybody needs a doctor for their podcast. Oh, I'm wow. on it. All right, we're going to have to expand it for. Or I mean, like, you can double what you pay me, and then I'll be exclusive. Gladly. Perfect. <laughs> oh, one uh, one last thing. It was Robbie Brady is who I was thinking of. Oh, is he Liam Brady. Brady's son? Uh, I no idea. Um, doesn't look like up. it. He currently plays for AFC Bournemouth. I said Aston Villa because he played for Burnley for a few years, and that's fair enough. I think you can mix those two up. Yeah. All right. Well. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night.